Welcome to Queer and Art Podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Kraft. It was a joy and pleasure to meet my next guest. He is an incredible photographer and all-around dope person who refreshingly actually cares about the community and, and puts in the work to help young LGBTQ plus people. I admire him. I look up to him. But he also happens to be a total cutie, total charmer, and I am lucky to have had this interview with him. I think you will enjoy it as well. So please stick around for the interview with Maxwell Poth. I'm sitting in the living room. You live here, right? Yeah, this is my house. I God. reside in this place. I just walked in. You just told me to meet me in some random place. No, <laughs> um, I'm in Maxwell Post's house in Hollywood, hanging out. Um, Maxwell, Max, Maxwell. I'm. I like don't know. I go by know. Maxwell, and then um, just like kind of like my name for like branding purposes. People know me as Maxwell, but like once you like get to know me more, people I get like Max, Maxi. Um, my best friend from college called me Maxi Pad for so long. Now he just calls me Pad. So it's like you know, you just go from there. I don't really care. <laughs> Great, good to know for everyone else out there. Um, Max, well, Max Pad is um, an amazing photographer that I found on Instagram and have been following for I, I don't know how long. But um, your portraits speak to me. I love your work. Thank you. I think uh, it's it's I can safely say you've garnered a lot of followers based on how uh, beautiful your portraits of people are. And on top of that, you have a very interesting story of being queer and where you're from. I did a little research. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you today. Thanks yeah, for doing this. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, so first things first, where are you from? Um, I am from Salt Lake City, Utah. If you want to be more specific, I am from a little town 20 minutes north of Salt Lake called Bountiful, Utah. Mm -hmm. It means plentiful. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I grew up there, just on a mountaintop right next to a Mormon temple. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to venture to guess you grew up Mormon. I did grow up Mormon. Um, I'm a little different with my family because we were originally a um, Catholic family, and um, I was baptized into the Mormon church when I was nine, and most people, all, all kids get baptized when they're eight, so I wasn't really far behind. Um, and yeah, I lived my life um, Mormon until high school when I came out of the closet and couldn't really do that anymore. Yeah, so um, it was interesting, to say the least, for sure. Definitely, especially like moving from like a Catholic family into a Mormon religion, my entire world changed, like just even values. It was... Um, it was um, an experience, and I was so young, so it didn't really, I didn't really understand how it affected me until I got older, um, and how I saw it control not only me and my family, but my peers and everyone around me, like even my schools, even, even the schools, were, it was just insane, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you came out in high school, was that, like, what age was that? Yeah, so I started coming out of the closet, I believe, at 16 years old. Okay. Um, I never, I was just that energetic, spastic kid. I, I'm not that person that was like, oh, I was three years old and I remember having that moment. I was like, I never realized I was gay until I was probably about 15 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, when all my friends, I remember this very vividly, my friend Ryan was like, oh yeah, I made out with this girl. And then I tried to picture myself making out with this girl. And I was like, oh, I accidentally pictured myself making out with Ryan. And I was like, oh my gosh. What is this? Um, so it wasn't long after I just decided immediately kind of just started discovering it because I realized at 15, came out at 16. Um, in a very Mormon community, you can people ask me to this day what gave you 
like the confidence maybe and I honestly have no idea uh-huh. it just like it just happened um my family was okay with it um I come from a very accepting family um the only hard part was they just didn't really know how to go about it at first. So, like, my mom was sad. She didn't know what to do. She thought I was, she wasn't going to have grandchildren. Right. Um, my father didn't talk to me about being gay until I was in college. Um, and I started coming out to my friends. All my friends accepted me. I lost a few. Um, but the hardest part for me was when I came out, it was my peers and my community that didn't accept me, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't even necessarily bullying per se, because the reason I did come out is because I saw those horrible stories and those sad moments from um, other places and other people online being like, my family didn't accept me, my, my um, school didn't accept me, I'm bullied all the time, and I hate bullying. And um, I was, I wouldn't say I was like popular, but like I was respected in my high school, and I had a lot of friends. and. I thought that by coming out of the closet, it would maybe kind of show them who's mm-hmm. boss and being like, you know, like, I'm gay. Like, what are you going to do about it? And hopefully lead, like, start paving a road for other people in my community to start coming out. And strangely, now that I work with kids back home, well, we can talk about my project later, I do have a lot of kids being like, oh, you're Maxwell Poth. Like, you're the first, like, openly gay kid we know about in Bountiful High. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. And, like, I still to this day, not too long ago, I got an email from this kid. His name is Max. Um, he, I met him when he was 10 years old. Um, I still remember him strangely because he emailed me and he goes, I want to let you know that like, because of your story and hearing about you coming out and Bountiful so young, like, um, it gave me the confidence to be who I was today. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, I had no idea. So it, didn't, it took a second, but yeah, I came out that way. But um, sorry, I'm like going all over the I place. I mean, go for it, girl. Um, no, I was. Um, so yeah, were there any other gay people at your school? No, 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 no. That's why I came out. Sorry, I'm pouring my coffee. We got a coffee pour. Ooh, this is some ASMR sound effect. Right? <laughs> nice. Okay, I felt that. I'm I'm wearing headphones, oh so I was like, like, my shit. neck is tingling. <laughs> um, no, no one was gay. There was only one other gay person in my entire town that was openly gay, um, and. I was just, I was kind of sick of it, and um, yeah, no, no one was gay. Came out of my high, came out of my high school. Thought it would like pave the way for all the other kids who obviously were gay. They didn't come out. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually made fun of me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, my community pushed me back in the closet. Um, I don't know if I said that actually, but um, wait. I, so you came out and then I came out. Like I told all my friends. I told all my family. Um, and then I started kind of just like living my gay life, but I wasn't like flaunting it. I wasn't like going about like classes and stuff because I had a high school sweetheart. He went to the high school, um, next, he went to the other high school. Like well, there's three high schools. How that, I, I mean, not to go into like, oh, no, I can show, I can show, <laughs> share the details after this, um, this little saying, but, um, he kind of helped me come out and accept who I was, but yeah, so I, I didn't flaunt anything. Like people actually thought we were best friends. They didn't even think we were a couple, huh. um, and flaunt by you mean like, like you just, weren't like, like walking gay, around. like hey I'm gay you know I'm gay like I just live my life people never really ask me and sometimes when they did I remember this girl she came up to me she's like Max there's this like rumor you like like made out with this guy at um, from Woods Cross which is the other high school and I did but like I didn't like want to say anything because I still was coming out at that time and she, before I could say yes she was like but that's not true you're not gay like like you can't be gay and like walked away and then it was just little things like that that were constantly pushing me back in the closet and it wasn't until I was horribly cyberbullied and like text messages and phone calls from another high school like telling me to go kill myself and like you're horrible like faggot blah blah blah, um, where the school actually got involved and ended up finding out who the kids were and suspending them. But the this was like the, this was it for me. I remember I was sitting in that principal's office just like pretty much in tears, wanting the school to accept me and like be like. Because they all knew me. The teachers knew who I was, were. Like they, everyone knew who I was. And um, I was like, finally, they're going to be like, oh, like, yeah, Max is gay. They didn't say the word gay once. Uh-huh. They, were, they kept saying, like, so these people are making fun of you for something. And like, I remember like, the school cop even went to say gay, but he's like, for being like this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I eventually just forgot. I forgot I was gay in a way. Like, really? I, yeah. I... Um, because I was still going to church, too. Okay. Um, my mom was still in the church, and um, 
Yeah, I just I just forgot. Excuse my ignorance, but no. I have my I'm wondering was that because the people who were, you know, your your the 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 teachers and the principal whoever, yeah. they were all Everyone's religious. Mormon. Yeah, right. everyone's Mormon. Um yeah, so I can rephrase that. I would say like 90% or just living in Utah in general, we don't have to even stay statistics. If you, when you live in Utah, you like people don't ask if you're Mormon. You're expected to be, mm-hmm. um, especially where I'm from. It, so if you find out that someone isn't Mormon, it's kind of like a a wow factor. It's like wow, you're not Mormon. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I know everyone. Like, and that's the hard thing with our peers. Like the teachers and the school districts, they put their values from their church into the school system. Mm-hmm. So um, even like learning about sexual health, we don't learn anything. So it was just about, they put their beliefs in protecting me. Mm -hmm. I was hoping they were going to accept me for who I was and they wouldn't. Like even like my main like teacher who I love dearly to this day, she still wouldn't say it. And um, I forgot I was gay. I went to homecoming with this girl named Becca. Um, I I thought I fell in love with her all senior year. And then I left my high school boyfriend at the time um, he was a year older though, so he was at school and college. We were still we didn't talk for a little bit, and it wasn't until about like a- end of senior year it was coming up, and he came back into my life, and he's like, and he was still even ha- having troubles accept trouble accepting who he was. Right. So he came to me, and he's like, Max, this isn't who you are. You need to remember who you are. And I remember breaking down and crying, and I was like, You're right. Like I forgot I was gay. Like I literally just forgot. It wasn't even like uh, I, I cried myself to sleep all the time, and um, it's weird because I look back at those days and I'm like, I didn't just forget, like that's bullshit. But I did, like mm-hmm. they really just like I just coasted and forgot who I was, and I went back to suffering. And because of my Mormon community and my peers, because my family, they didn't want to get involved. I knew they loved me and cared for who I was, but they just let me f- discover myself. They were like, let's not push Max into being. Yes, you are gay. Be gay. Right. They just let me figure it out. And it was rough for them. It was it was hard for them to watch me go back in the closet. I remember my mom came down one day and cried to me, and she's like, I'm so glad to see Alexander back, and he's brought you back. And, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think... Uh I, don't, I, I hear what you're saying about forgetting to be gay, but it does kind of resonate with me. And I'm sure probably some people who are listening about what that, that, that's kind of what it is. It's like when you are not coming out or you are not out yet, you are kind of forgetting about that yeah. part of yourself. The social norm. Right. Like you're just following what everyone else is doing. Right. Because mm, no one was gay. There was nobody. I didn't have anyone to talk to. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to reach out. There wasn't even like, I didn't, I mean, it's a bad way to do this, but I didn't even have a grinder or a Tinder that, that didn't exist. Like, Instagram yeah. wasn't really even big yet. So there weren't a lot of big in- gay Instagram people, or YouTube wasn't even big yet. So I work with kids now. I work with LGBTQ youth, and they have ever- all their resources. That's oh why gosh. I believe some I transgender children are discovering themselves at 8 instead of 15 now because they can go online and just discover a word that resonates with them and they discover who they are. Mm-hmm. None of us, even you, we didn't have that. No. So it's just I mean, insane. I did, um, I went through a weird time in my life and I um, was struggling emotionally and I was told to get over yourself, Frankie, and go, my therapist told me this, and go to volunteer, like do something good for other people, put your focus somewhere else. I went to the Trevor Project mm-hmm. And I went to the orientation and they gave all these like statistics to us about um, at risk LGBT youth. And I never really looked into that. And um, it, this was sort of around uh, maybe two years after the Tyler Clemente suicide and, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of those uh, teen suicides. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it was hot topic at the yeah. time. Anyways, my point is they shared a bunch of statistics about um, the things that helped uh, these at-risk youth come out of their suicidal um, feelings, which was uh, looking at representation on in art or films and movies and whatever. Yeah. And so I'm curious, Maxwell, what you maybe... It sounds like it was a, a smaller, you know... It, was, it wasn't easy to find these things, but was there yeah. anything that you saw that was like, oh, okay this is giving me solace. I can kind of take a deep breath and watch this or, or maybe sneak away and, and ha- know that this is what I have or something. Um, it wasn't until the end of my senior year where I finally entered, like 
any gay representation or saw it because there was none. There was none. I didn't know where to look. I didn't know what to do, like I said. Um, and, yeah, it, honestly, it wasn't until end of senior year of high school that my high school sweetheart came back, and he's like, come on, I'm taking you to Pure, which is, the, at the time, it was the 18 and up gay bar, mm-hmm. and I was 17. In Salt Lake. In Salt Lake City. So he picked me up, and he, he's like this, like, He's this beautiful boy, and, like, he you just, like, you can tell, like, with his looks, he just, like, knew all the owners and the club people. So, like, we got there, and I was like, how are we going to get him? I'm so nervous. <laughs> Anyways, um, just walked right through the door. They didn't even ID me. And I remember it being one of the best nights of my life. Because yeah. I was 17. I was a senior in high school. I had to sneak away. Um, I was worried that, like, someone was going to see me. But um, I walked in there, and um, I had the time of my life. And honestly, that was the first time I was found any representation of anyone like me. Mm-hmm. And now, Salt Lake City has a huge LGBTQ community. It's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just the past like 10 years, it's just dramatically changed. But um, honestly, that's all I remember. I, can't, I don't remember being in high school, seeing anything else, because it just wasn't talked about. Yeah. Like so. no Will and Grace, no Queer's Folk? I mean... We watched Will and Grace growing up, but, like, that was just a TV show to me. I didn't look at it as, like, any gay thing. Even Yeah. I, like I said, I was just that spastic kid. I just never really... You were also a cheerleader, right? Yeah, I was a cheerleader. I was um, captain of the cheer squad senior year, so it was no surprise when I came out, I guess. Um, <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. No, I know, I know, I know. Uh, yeah, no, I was a gymnast my whole life. I was always involved in school, too. I was always, like, a student body officer, a student body president. That's, like, kind of people knew me. Like, principals, everyone knew who I was. Okay. You're a leader. What's your sign? I'm a Gemini. Okay. I don't know anything. But um, but so, yeah, I was always doing things in my school. And um, I remember my junior year, I was just done. I didn't want to be on another student council. I didn't want to do any of these things. And I, my mom was like, well, you're, you've been a gymnast your whole life. You can do backflips like it's nobody's business. Like, try out for cheer. And I did. And I got on. And actually, when I made tried out my junior year, the principal wasn't going to let me. Hmm. There, I was the first male cheerleader at Bountiful High in... 32 years or something like that. Because back when our parents were young, guys were cheerleaders all the time and they just like yelled and stuff. And it was very be, easy. The women needed to yeah, be lifted. Yeah, it was very like common back then, but right. now it isn't. Um, so I remember like first in 32 years and they said no, they weren't going to let me on the team. I was better than every single girl on the team. Um, nice. And then they go, fine, but you have to have one more boy on the team. And they found like another gymnast in our school and he auditioned. Gay as fuck. Um, <laughs> but he wasn't out, right, may right, I mind right, you. Right. And um, <laughs> so it was us two. And then senior year, I like I just we just paved a way for our junior year. And by senior year, it was just me. And I was captain. And um, I did it for scholarship purposes, obviously. And it was, yeah, it was a blast. I was like the male cheerleader. So bountiful, bountiful, my whole town knew who I was. They're like, there's a boy cheerleader. And I'm a twin. Mm-hmm. So my, everyone knew my twin as well. And actually, my twin is a lesbian. Wow. Yeah, so when my twin came out two years later, we were the freaking talk of the town. Wow. My mom couldn't go to the grocery store without being stopped, being like, both of them are gay. Like, And we were sinners, like, all of a sudden. Like, because my mom left the church. We all left the church when I was, like, pro- like once we graduated. Mm-hmm. So our whole family was just looked at as, like, this, like, s- sinning, sad family. So, yeah, it was interesting. Wow. But, yeah. Um, no, I, I can sort of relate to that. Um, I, I, me coming out was completely... F- like nothing to my parents, but um, my younger sister, who uh, she, when she came out, or she didn't really come out, um, she passed away unfortunately. But um, she, but she, it took her a long time to even kind of experience uh, exploring that or mm-hmm. like experimenting because she was so overwhelmed by my gayness that mm-hmm. she d- just was like, "Oh no, I'm worried about what the parents are gonna feel like having two of us." Mm-hmm. But a tw- twins yeah. man no that was hers too like I remember because she, she came out two years later um and like no one cared obviously but we were we didn't expect it yeah but um so when she came out she came out to me in the, our car and mm-hmm. she started crying and it was quiet and I put my hand on her shoulder and I was like Carly it is my thing to be gay in this family you have to choose something else and like as a joke but she just started <laughs> crying and she's like what I was like, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. No and, jokes right yeah, now. Yeah, no jokes. It was a bad thing for me to do, but like, that's kind of like, I'm that, that's like my personality. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Um, but it was interesting. Yeah. Sorry, I keep veering off into questions. and. Whatnot. No, we're slaying. You're slaying. Um, before we keep moving, I just need to tell you that I went to Salt Lake City oh when I was 16 God. with, it was my birthday, my 16th birthday. 
and I was bleach blonde. It was the year I came out of the closet. Um, and maybe like a month or two after I came out of the closet and I went with my school for a chamber choir concert. Oh, yeah. And, um, I remember just standing on the street. I w- I had not smoked a cigarette before in my life and all the other kids were smoking and I took one and I, um, I remember taking, smoking, it was right outside the Mormon church too. Oh my God. Like, the temple, I, Temple Square. Yeah. Because of where you were performing. I know exactly where you're performing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember they were smoking and I, and we were sneaking out and I stole one and, uh, I was pretending like I knew how to smoke cigarettes and I puked outside the church. <laughs> like, that was horrible. Metaphor, maybe. I know similar. <laughs> so, uh, just needed to share that with my audience. <laughs> and since you're from Salt Lake City, I was like, I need to tell you yeah. that. Um, okay, so, kind of getting into a little bit of what like, sparked your creativity. Because um, I have a lot of questions about being a photographer and, like, what that's like. Did that kind of... What's the journey of you, be, like, becoming an artist? Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually very different. It's very interesting. I've never been an artist. My whole life, I've never really had any artistic drive. I've never... I don't know how to draw. I don't know how to make clay pots. I can't really sing. Like This is over. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Well, my family, we're, a very, we're an artistic family. Like, my dad can draw. My mom's been a singer her whole life. My sisters sing. Like, my other sisters can paint and make beautiful art. Like, they've just always been that way. Yeah. Um, and I was just this science geek my whole like year, my whole life. I was just like, I want to help people. I want to be a doctor. I want to blah blah blah. And um, I went to college, so I have a degree in epidemiology. What? And if you don't know what that is, um, that is the study of epidemics. So I studied um, epidemics, infectious and chronic diseases. Wow. So that's what I went to college for all four years. And um, it wasn't until my senior year of college that I picked up a camera, mm-hmm. because I got signed to a modeling agency. I did some jobs, um, didn't really like it. I'm also short, so I can't really go far in it. Where I, was this? Um, this was in Salt Lake, but then I got signed to New York City as well. I actually did like a few campaigns. I did American Eagle. Oh. I was like the gay. Um, two years ago, they did the Christmas campaign, and um, there was like a gay couple. It was like me and my ex-boyfriend, and like it was pretty fun. Like we were all over LA. It was really interesting. My friends were laughing because they were like Maxwell model, ha, ha. and I was like, "You're telling me!" Like I remember agents even freaking out. They're like, "What is this?" Because I was in the campaign with models I photographed before. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I was in the modeling agency. I wasn't really into it. I, I remember going to open calls because I became really close with my agent. So I always went to open calls and I always went to things and, um, cause the modeling industry is very harsh and what people don't understand is like, I don't know if I should say this or not, but it's like, you're kind of born a model because you have to be a certain size. You have to be a certain height. You have to be all yeah. these things. And all these people would come in that I found to be beautiful and gorgeous and I always felt bad when they got turned away. And I was like, well, my boyfriend has a camera. And, like, I would love to, like, take your picture. And I've always had – I grew up watching America's Next Top Model. And I always, like, found this weird vibe with the images I saw growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I want to try and recreate those. And now I have a whole freaking model, like, agency, like, right here that I could just pull from. Mm-hmm. So I started photographing. And it wasn't really vibing at first. Um, and then I actually left my boyfriend of three years. Mm-hmm. And I found photography to be the only time I wasn't depressed. I went through this huge depression my senior year of college. And um, all I did was take photos, and I just kept taking pictures and pictures and pictures, and it was the only time I was happy. And um, then my own modeling agency was like, Maxwell, like, you're actually doing well with this. You should um, reach out to other agencies. And that's when I started sharing my work on Instagram. And then um, that's when agencies in New York like reached out to me. I didn't even think I was ready yet. And all these agencies were like, we want you to come test. We want you to test. We want you to come shoot our models. Um, so I went to New York. I went to Chicago. I went to Los Angeles. Um, I was terrified. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I photographed, um, I photographed all these models. And it just grew. Um, so that's like kind of where I became a photographer. I guess, in a way. And I'm still learning. I've only been shooting three years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little really? over three years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That's the interesting part. Everyone always says that. They're like, you've only been shooting three years. I'm like, yeah, I've only been taking photos for three years. Well, because you just... It feels like you've got so much to share, kind yeah. of. Or that there's I'm been... I'm shocked, too. I mean, I've been asked to photograph actors, like... I never, I thought it was a joke. I thought the emails were a joke. I was like, what the frick are you talking about? Right. And um, yeah, it's been a roller coaster. And I can say that my whole state and like my town has been watching me. And they're like, they're all like, they're just as shocked as I am. They're like, what the hell? Maxwell just like started taking pictures in college. 
Like, I didn't even take it seriously at first. But it's my art, and it makes me happy. And, um, you know, I was this ignorant, naive artist for the first two years. I just, like, thought that it was cool to shoot models. And um, eventually, uh, I was going numb. And my work wasn't doing anything for anyone. It wasn't doing anything for me. And um, it made sense that a lot of these photographers didn't like me. And um, I was like, I'm not doing anything new. And it made sense because photography is an art. And a lot of people take advantage of a talent that maybe they have and just like photograph another white cis male and put it on an Instagram. And um, it wasn't until two things happened. Sorry, should I stop? Okay, keep talking. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it wasn't until like two things happened where I was like, I can't do this anymore. And um, one was when Trump came into play okay. um, because social media is a huge platform and I am sick of all of these Instagram models posting selfie after selfie and not using their voices mm-hmm. because they have 300,000 followers yet they aren't doing anything that could help middle America because middle America is probably the, like following them the most. Like it's all these kids and young people from Ohio and Nebraska and Montana. And um, so that was like, I was like, my art's not doing anything for them. Like, this doesn't help them. Mm-hmm. And then um, that's when I created also Project Contrast, which is my um, photo series that um, focuses on LGBTQ youth, um, suicide rates, and mental health. Because where I'm from in Utah, the number one cause of death for ages 10 to 17 is teen suicide. And most of those kids are gay mm-hmm. that kill themselves. Um, so yeah, I remember hearing that statistic, and I know that my state and my city watches me, um, just because I'm that boy that moved to LA. I'm not. I wouldn't say like I'm any type of fame to them, but I know they watch me, and I know I have a voice there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. We can pause for a second if you need to ask, but I'm just like rambling on. No, I want to hear what the second one thing. The mm-hmm. second thing is. Yeah. So no, the second thing was I remember hearing about this statistic, and more kids were killing themselves. And yeah, so it was the Trump era when that started and social media. Um, and then, yeah, the statistic happened and no one was doing anything. And it was just like article after article and, of um, another suicide or another article about how the suicide rate's going higher and higher. And I'm like, well, then everyone needs to start doing something about it. Stop making another fucking article in the Salt Lake Tribune and actually say, like, what next? And it wasn't until when I started, a bunch of other people in Utah started collectively slowly doing things for it. Um, but I remember it was Pride um, two years ago here in Los Angeles, and polls happened. Right. And I was disgusted. I didn't know what to do. And that same weekend, four boys from my hometown killed themselves because they were gay. Mm-hmm. In my hometown, like, I got goosebumps. I just started crying. I was disgusted, and I couldn't believe that this was happening in my hometown, all because I was... I, all because... Their peers aren't accepting them or their families aren't accepting them. and Or they even just think that they aren't accepted. Because who knows? Maybe their parents would love them for who they are. And um, I was like, enough's enough. I've been in your guys' shoes. And I want to help be that voice to show all of these struggling kids in Utah that you can be okay and you will be okay. Um, yeah, so I remember just like breaking down. And I was like, I have to do something. Um, I didn't even have a name for the project yet. I went back home. I remember a 15-year-old boy in my high school, my old high school, Bountiful High, contacted me a while back because he wanted to be a photographer. And I met him. I grew up with his sister, actually. His name's Carter. And he is just this fierce gay boy who is the coolest kid I've ever met in my life. I look up to him in so many ways, even though he's 10 years younger than me. Mm -hmm. And... um, I, this was like, Carter, um, I want to come photograph you. I need you to show everyone who you are. I need you to come, like, in your platforms. I need you to be fierce for me, okay? He's like, he was so excited. He was just like, yes, he's actually this really shy kid. But his mom and him were like, we're on our way. And actually, it was funny because when he came out, his mom reached out to me. And she was like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And I was like, just love him. Mm. Um, So they came, and um, I photographed them. Um, I photographed this other boy named Nate who is this 16-year-old drag queen. He is the cutest kid. And then I photographed this boy named Holden, so 15, 16, and 17-year-old boys. And um, I also asked if they would share their stories because you guys, I was like, you guys are all from Utah. You're all these kids your age are killing themselves. Why are you so confident to be where you are in your high schools, 
like Carter, I was you when I was 15. I mean, I came out at 16, but I was the only one. But like, why were you? Why are you so confident right now? Tell these kids in your high school what makes you you and why you're proud to be you. Mm-hmm. And um, I got their stories. I work with Out Magazine a lot, and I work with Advocate a lot. Um, so I basically got their stories. I finished the portraits, and I didn't even take no for an answer. I went to the Advocate, and I was like, take these. Mm-hmm. You need to take these because no one's talking about it, and I'm going to start talking about it. And um, he was like, yeah. They took it immediately. They're like, but we want you to start by opening with your story first and all this. So I was like, okay. So And they've done articles on me in the past. So they already like kind of knew, they already knew it was what I was about. Um, so I... We released the stories on Valentine's Day, 2016, and um, it for it was a four-day series, and it was my my story first, my photos, and then, um, but it wasn't really even my story. It was like slightly my story, but it was mainly me talking about the epidemic, mm-hmm. um, and calling Utah out. Yeah, and I've seen this. It's really yeah. Good. Thank Check you. Check it out. Yeah. So and then um, after that. Before even the other, before the next day even happened, it just started getting shared and like Utah was freaking out. They're like, oh my God, like Maxwell's calling everyone out. I was really? like, yeah, you better bitch <laughs> your ass. I'm calling you out. Yeah. Um, people didn't know what to do. I called out my hometown. Like, yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden Carter's story came out and the next day and people were just like, whoa, what's going on? Um, and then the next day, Nate's came out. And the next day, Holden's came out. Mm. And all of a sudden, I did, and again, I didn't have a name for this project. I didn't know what I was doing. All I was doing was just trying to show these kids in Utah that they have hope. Mm. And we not only got, like, emails flooding in, but not just to me, but to the kids. Um, we got emails from all over the country. Like, oh, my God, thank you so much. I needed to hear this. And, of course, we got even, Absolutely. like, yeah, I was, like, it was insane. I had no idea what was going on. I, within days, we had two documentaries reach out to us. I was going to say. Yeah, so we were, filming you guys? we were putting two documentaries. They're both out this year. Um, but again, didn't have a name. So I was just like, sure. Like one of them flew me back to Salt Lake City. I photographed. Um, uh, Carter came with me. We were in the documentary. That's out this year as well. Um, and one flew. They were, the other one was filming in New York, but they flew here to L.A. to interview me. Um, and it was just an insane experience. Just within like two weeks, my articles were just going everywhere. Like Out was sharing them, Pride.com was sharing them, Google was like posting. I saw Google like did a thing. I didn't even know Google did things like yeah, that. Um, and it was um, it was enlightening. And I remember when I was getting filmed in Salt Lake City for the documentary. Um, she was like, well, "What are you gonna do next?" And I was like. I'm going to photograph more kids in Utah and I'm going to have an art gallery. And it was word vomit. I just said it. I was like, oh, well, shit, here we go. (laughs) And I'm going to raise awareness. So that's exactly what I did. And um, so technically what I talked about was series one. Um, And that's when I started series two. And I photographed 19 more kids, um, the youngest being a 10-year-old transgender boy, the oldest being an 18-year-old boy named Eduardo who was adopted from Mexico. He was kicked out when he came out. And we photographed them and we shared their stories. And I was just shocked by the amount of love and support that it had. And that's when I um, met with an L- a brand new LGBT center in Utah called N Circle. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, side yeah. So side note: um, Utah claims to help LGBTQ youth, and the Mormon religion claims to help LGBTQ youth. And in my opinion, they don't. I think um, they're getting better at accepting the fact, but. It's complete bullshit. Anytime they post things being like, we love this, we love that, we support in circle, it's just so they don't get any, they don't get like people yelling at them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, a, it's just a, a play. It's just a play in their book that they're just using. Because um, I've, I've heard different things where um, like there's been a, there's a thing called affirmation um, and they are good with kids that are in the Mormon church, I guess, like just like making them feel more comfortable. Right. But they honestly, in my opinion, don't do shit. And they are harmful, in my opinion, to adults more because the Mormon religion, what they say is, um, they're like, you can be gay, but you can't act on it. If you act on it, you're a sin. You're a sinner. And um, one, that pisses me off. And another thing was um, a few years ago, a prof- the prophet came out with saying, if a child, if there's a child of gay family, they're a post, they are damned to hell, pretty much what they said. Well, 
that was a huge movement in the Mormon church and people left. So many people left. They're like, that's horrible. Like, why would you say that? Like, people were going to this like, temple and resigning, like, getting their temple recommends done. And um, so that's when I first heard In Circle. I was like, do you actually help LGBTQ youth? Mm-hmm. Because I, right now I'm not sold. Um, because this guy on Facebook was like, Maxwell, I know you want to start photographing more kids. A new center just popped up. You should reach out to them. And I was just like, like, I was like, fine, like send them my way. I was a little snooty. I was like, I was getting ready to just kind of be like, no, you're doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. Um, well, his name's Jacob Dunford. He is one of the creators and founders of InCircle. He Facebook messaged me and he's like, I was like, I was kind of blunt. I was like, do you actually help? Like, are you tell people to live their lives? Like, how do you do this? He's like, Maxwell, come to the house. And I was like, fine. Hopped in my sister's car when I was in Utah and I drove straight there. And oh my God, they're amazing. Mm -hmm. They do everything right because so many kids are killing themselves because they feel like because of their religion, it's not okay to be who they are. Mm -hmm. And Circle doesn't do anything. They don't tell you to do anything. They don't tell you... They just tell you that you're normal, you're okay, and you're loved. So what they are is they're a safe house for LGBTQ youth, Mm -hmm. but they don't just do that. They also educate families because one of the things that could save these kids' lives is educating the families about their gay children, their queer children, being like, hey, come to this class. We will show you that it is okay. So it's a class? Well, like they offer classes. It's a house. And um, they also have um, free counseling sessions for families or just the kids or just the parents. Mm -hmm. Um, They have... Um, they have just sessions just for uh, educating people on transgender, the transgender community. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're amazing. And this was all created by a woman named Stephanie Larson, who is, I will always have a special place in my heart for her. Um, I'm getting emotional. Um, Go for it. Because she is amazing. And her, her uncle was gay. and pa- They're all in this Mormon family. Her uncle was gay, passed away, left a fortune. And he's like, before I die, like do something for the community. And Stephanie opened this house called In Circle. And Jacob started it. So I went to the house. I met them. They were amazing. And I was like, you need to partner with me for what I'm doing. And Jacob is the most amazing human being I've ever met in my life. He's only 23 years old, but he runs, he helps run like six nonprofits, one being mine now. Um, and he's like, done. He immediately took it on board. And he like just started helping me. He introduced me to the kids. And we had this huge activity. And I photographed the 19 kids. And Jacob Dunford is now my partner for Project Contrast. And um, I remember we, we got all these kids and um, Carter's mom actually helped design the, the art gallery and we, we did so much. We got so, all these donations thanks to Jacob and we made videos to get people more emotionally attached and um, we had our event for Project Contrast. Jacob actually named it. Like mm. he came up with the name, not me. I love that name. Yeah, no, it's great. And um, so we came up with the name we started um, not only advertising it in Salt Lake, but even here in LA, all my influencer friends started helping me. They were like, Max, this is awesome. And then the advocate reposted, um, started posting marketing series two for me, and then out.com marketed series two for me. And I was so thankful for all of them. And we had our gallery in July of 2016. It was only open for three hours, and it was so beautiful. Like, they were all the portraits were just like hung from the ceiling and behind was their stories. And um, we had over a thousand people come in three hours. Hmm. That's like literally, and it wasn't just like it gradually happened. Once seven hit, the doors were just flooding in. And I, it could have even been more than a thousand, like it could have been even 2000, but like the mayor of Salt Lake City came. Like, everyone showed their support. Like, I didn't even know most of the people there. We had, like, it was an event. It was the event of the night or of the month or the summer. But it was insane. We had a little, um, uh, we had people talk. We had some of the kids talk. We had this girl named Savannah who was in the series. I don't know. A lot of people have seen this video. It went viral. Savannah came out in church giving her testimony, saying she was a lesbian, and they cut the mic. Right. And it was recorded, and it went viral. Mm-hmm. Well, Savannah's now everywhere, speaking at um, HRC events. She's got an award. She just is the most inspirational little yes. lesbian. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> and um, she's so cute. So she spoke, and it was just a beautiful freaking night. Um, and that's when I was like, I can't stop. And um, so that is Project Contrast. And now, before I could even get home... Um, I got home to LA and I got a call from a, mu- uh, a TV producer and he was like, we want to pick up your show as a docu-series. Fuck yeah. I said no. 
because um, it had no foundation yet. It only had two things, and I was afraid they were going to rob it from me, and that's when Jacob, um, we got another guy named Landon, and Landon, so it's the three of us. Um, that's my team, and Landon is just, like, all, like, he's just, like, this, the facts. He just, he's the business side. Jacob's in the middle, and I'm the artist side of it. Anyway, so Landon, he like he got it to be an LLC and then turned it into a nonprofit and then he protected our name and what we did and like so um, and Landon's the one that just gets in the donations and I just I don't know what I'd do without him either. But anyway, so yeah, we like protected it and we're like, one more time. We're gonna do this one more time and see what we can do with this. Well Trevor Project reached out. Okay. Um, Orbit's travel company reached out. Um, the Pride Center heard about it and um, the producers were very respectful, and they're like, "We totally get it," and they're waiting for my call after this series ends, mm-hmm. and um, it it was just insane. So, Tre- Orbits was like, and Trevor Project, because they're like, "What's your idea with series three? And I was just brainstorming for so long, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I know I didn't. We needed to go further than Utah now because there are different places. So again, it was word vomit. I was like, "I'm going to states with the same epidemic, with the same problem." in states that need a voice. Because what we learned from series two is we not only gave these children a voice to share their stories and the whole country was watching because throughout creating series two on social media, these kids were so excited. Like all of these people on social media were like, we can't wait to see what you're doing. Even now, like so many thousands of kids throughout the country are watching us right now. Like they're meeting the kids on our social media. Um, So what we learned is not only did we give these kids a platform, but we gave InCircle a platform. And they don't even need it anymore. They were just on the Today Show. They have two more houses opening. But we educated the state on InCircle. And these, I was at Series 2, this little girl named Allie, who's in Series 3 now, she came up holding her magazine because we put the, all the portraits in a magazine with the stories to sell throughout the country for the people who can't come to the gallery. So we sold every single one. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, she's holding her magazine. She came up to me and she goes, just shy. She goes, Maxwell... And she was looking down, and she looked up and gave eye contact, and she was like, I just want to say that um, I'm brand new to Utah. I'm 15 years old. I don't have any friends. I don't know anything about the gay community, but I just came out. I drove an hour to get here. She's 16, I guess. I remember. She just got her license. She's a 16-year-old, drove an hour to this event. Mm -hmm. And she goes, and she smiled, and she goes, and now I have friends, and now I know about InCircle, and I want to thank you for that. And I just started crying, and I, like, grabbed her. And um, she's the cutest girl. And like I said, she's now in Series 3. You'll meet her. Um, And she's, so that's when we learned that Series 2 also educated people on these centers. So, again, it was word vomit. When I was pitching at Trevor Project, I was like, I'm going to go to states with the same epidemic, and we're not only going to highlight the kids, but we're going to highlight the states, the problems they have there, the problems they face, and we're going to highlight the centers, mm-hmm. and we're going to highlight, educate people on that. And he's like, well, how are you going to do that? And I was like, we're going to do videos. We're going to do video work. So this whole series, we've been doing videos and um, videoing all the centers and the people that work there, and they're educating us on what they offer and what they have to do and what they've been doing with the kids. Um, and it's been a roller coaster. So that's when Orbitz was like, we're going to fund your travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have funded all of my plane tickets. Um, and that's when Trevor Project and the LA Pride Center gave me all the contacts I needed to work through the Pride Centers to meet these kids. Because I can't just be like, hey, I'm 24 years old. Let me come to your state and photograph your children. Sure. Um, so like, they help validate me. Mm-hmm. And we have these events. So for Series 3, um, I actually leave for my last date tomorrow. Um, we are going to, we've gone to Alaska, Colorado, we did Utah, Wyoming, South Dakota, mm-hmm. and then we're going to New Mexico because all of these states have the same epidemic of teen suicide, most of them being queer. And um, so that's what Series 3 is about, and that's what we're doing, and we're traveling, and we're meeting all these kids and these people, and it has been the most magical experience of my life, and we're recording on everything, and we're actually doing a mini-series with Out.com. So we're going to make each state a video, and we're going to release it on Out.com for everyone to follow. Yes, thank you. But I don't know how to make videos, so I finally found someone that's, like, helping me make them. Mm -hmm. So it's been a minute. Um, And Series 3 will be an art gallery here in Los Angeles. And yeah, so it's been a roller coaster. It's been amazing. We go to New Mexico tomorrow. Um, la la la. I just been talking nonstop. I apologize. No, um, I'm so glad you just did. I I walked in here inspired and impressed by you. But m- my gosh, like thank you for all of the that amazing work you're doing. Thank you. Um, 
you're extremely smart. My God. <laughs> um, like yeah. it's, you, you, I mean, I know you just say word vomit, but the, that word vomit turns out to be gold. I mean, yeah, geez. I mean, it's been working somehow. <laughs> and, I mean, thank you. I, I mean, uh, I've been thanking everyone who I've been talking to for their contribution either to, you know, whatever, but this is a really important contribution. Um, because it, I, listening to you, you really, um, care about your, where you're from and the, the, the people who are similar to that. And, um, there's not enough of that, you know, of people really looking out for the, the, the silenced or the, the ones who we don't really think about. I mean, I, I always try and um, check myself about the bubble of, you know, living in L.A. I'm also from New York, like, yeah, 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 just yeah. kind of... Oh, yeah, we definitely are in a bubble. It's yeah. insane. Like, even traveling, the most, the, most, the most impactful state to me, I mean, they've all been impactful, um, but it was South Dakota, and that's where I think my fourth series will be, will be the, like, the Midwest. Mm-hmm. They have no voice. Um, to the point that they can't even sustain a lot, an LGBT center. Mm-hmm. They can't. They just, like, um, I was even supposed to go to Montana, but we just couldn't because they're, right when we were getting ready to go, their LGBT center fell. They lost everything. They wow. just can't support it. Um, they don't have anyone on their team. It's just two people now. And even in Alaska, they just had one, but, you know, they had a building and they had, like, success. Um, but So South Dakota has zero and I went there and I stayed with a lesbian couple they're like they're in their late 70s 80s um changed my life forever I will always be she's like a grandmother to me I will always be in her life now until she passes I'm, yeah. I'm going back in the summer to see her and all the kids um but the one thing that left me speechless and really like made me think was her name's Nancy she went Maxwell you don't know what it's like to be gay in America. If you want to know what it's like to be gay in America, come to a place like Rapid City, South Dakota. Nobody represents them. They still aren't safe at work. They can get fired. They still aren't safe in their living situations. They can get evicted for being gay. Mm-hmm. Um, Nancy and her Nancy was one of the only women in the 70s fighting for the right of her children because she was gay. Mm-hmm. She's been an advocate her whole life. And um, she just... She woke, she made, she made me woke. <laughs> like, I was just like, holy crap. Is there anything, I mean, that it's, people can do? I mean, that's what I'm hoping. These kids aren't even safe at school. Like, um, like they're getting beat up. Um, there's so much racism. Like, the Native American culture there is just horrible. Um, and no one does anything. Um, like, um, what, one of the kids from South Dakota is Native American. Um, she was bullied so bad. Um, that they even, like, burnt her car and tagged it and spray-painted it. The school did nothing. Absolutely nothing. So you can only imagine that how horrible it would be for the transgender community because if they can even accept gay, gay, lesbian, bisexual people, imagine the transgender community. They're not safe. Um, And it's really opened my eyes to... um, That's what I need to do next. They all need to be highlighted. I need to go to Nebraska. I need to go to Montana. I need to um, give these people voices because when you think about middle America, like when you think about the gay community in general, like be like, oh my God, have you thought about gay people in Nebraska? No. No. I mean, oh my God, have you thought about the gay people in Montana? No. Have, have nobody thinks about that. Even if you them. have, you don't even you don't know. Even go, yeah, you don't no. even know. Or you don't even like, elaborate after that. You don't even go further into what it's like. Mm-hmm. And that's when Nancy really um, made me realize that we all live in these bubbles in these cities. Like even like even though Louisiana's in the South, like New Orleans is progressive. Like if it's a big city, it's most likely a progressive place. Mm-hmm. So these people are safe there. So people in the South can just move to their city. Salt Lake City, they it's a city. Like if you aren't safe in your surrounding areas, move to Salt Lake City and you're completely safe and fine. You can even find a transgender doctor. You can find anyone that will help you feel welcome. Mm-hmm. So it's just, um, it's been crazy. And um, yeah. Well, thank you for... Um being there, you know, for being on the front lines of it and, and to knowing how important it is for you and your heart. It inspires me to actually go to these places more often or, or just, you know, think about it. Mm-hmm. And from that, what uh, can I do to help or, yeah. or whatever? Nice. And, and I think you're inspiring like a lot of people with that too. <laughs> I hope so. I yeah. don't know. Um, but yeah, no, the most powerful tool we have right now is social media. Yeah. And um, that's what Project Contrast is about too. It's not we're using social media as this platform and the strength. We're not only giving these kids a voice because also these adults are going to listen to these kids. They're yeah. going to be like, that kid is so fucking cute. What are they talking about? Yeah. And they're going to be like, oh my God, 
love him. And the pictures are beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, and I try and capture that. And the videos, too, we're going to make sure that these videos really capture everyone's attention because we're interviewing these kids. And these kids are so wise. Mm -hmm. The things that they say, I am just in awe. Like, I know I said I just got woke thanks to Nancy, but these kids are woke. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's it's it's amazing, but it's also like kind of like scary. Oh my god, yeah. Because but I can't wait for them to run our country. Me fucking too. Just, like, I'm fucking ready. They just need to get in there. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So Project Contrast, it's just been a. a and you can check that out on. Yeah, so you can check out Project Contrast. Just um, So it's www.projectcontrast.org. We're um, redoing our website right now because it's getting bigger, so we need to make it look more professional. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got an Instagram. It's just at Project Contrast. Um, you can also like follow my Instagram because I talk about it a lot, too. It's a bigger platform at the moment, so I use it there, which is just my name, Maxwell Poth. Um, but, yeah, so that's what I've been doing, and it's become a full-time job, but it really completes me as an artist because rewinding back to when I was saying my work wasn't doing anything for me or for anyone. Um, it's miraculous how my sister knows things before I even do. My middle sister, Samantha, when I first became a photographer, she's like, Max, I know that you've always wanted to help people. That's why you went into epidemiology. And I actually worked in the HIV AIDS field for two years before I, and all throughout college. Um, so I always had this little bit of an advocate in me and this like nonprofit person. And I always loved to test stories. And even now, just through my models and um, actors and stuff. I even, we go to coffee and I learn about their stories and learn who they are, kind of like this. And um, I even will talk about their stories on my social media. Anyways, um, she's like, why don't you mix your two passions? Why don't you um, put some type of epidemic in and mix it in with your photography? And when I was thinking that, I was like, oh, travel to like Cambodia and talk about the sex trafficking or something like that, because that is a public health issue. Mm-hmm. But just organically, my sister was right and organically because suicide and mental health is an epidemic and it's a horrible one and a lot of people aren't doing about it in these states and just organically Project Contrast was created halfway through my two passions Mm. and that was all my sister she was amazing yeah I was just like wow girl she's just so wise and yeah she's the one that like helped inspire me to do this and yeah so it's been an adventure and I now feel with any artist, um, and I know this sounds so cookie cutter or stupid and everyone hears this, but as a queer artist, whether you have a platform or not, it's our job to use our art to change the world. And um, it's up to us. If we have those platforms, we should use it. Um, I felt guilty, and sometimes I even do to this day where it's like, do I want to share this photo? Because it doesn't do anything, but blah, blah, blah. It does. People like, I guess people like seeing my work regardless, and there are photographers, regardless if they're queer, who will look at my art and be like, wow, your work is so fun. I want to try and do that. Right. Um, so it, it's, um, it's been interesting, to say the least, and um, I'm glad I have found Project Contrast, and it is now a nonprofit, and we're growing. And regardless of where it goes, it's my thing, and I will always raise money and do something for the community with it. Well, congratulations! I'm really excited for you. Um, I am looking at my phone because I end all of my podcasts mm-hmm. with some like James Liptony questions. Love it. Um, I've taken up so much of your time. Um, all right, here we go. Um, all right. Maxwell Poth, are you ready? Yes. Okay. You don't have to explain, like, your answers. I'm just going to say them to you. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite word? Oh, shit. Um, my favorite word? I would probably... What, would, what do I say the most? Um, this is a hard question. I know. You don't need to think too hard about it either. It could just be like something from today. Okay. Um, you know, I, I have a sassy side to me, and um, all my friends and family will say it. They're like, Maxwell, you're such a sasshole, sassy asshole. Um, because well, I, I love to help the community and I love to do all these things, but at the end of the day, like, I'm just like this sassy, this sassy boy. That, that, so maybe um, one of my fun, favorite words, because I'm, it makes me laugh every time, it makes my friends laugh every time, is sasshole. Let's go with that. Okay, sasshole. I'm going to go with epidemiology. <laughs> okay, um, your least favorite word. Ooh, um, hate. What's your favorite emotion? My favorite emotion? I love being a photographer. I love capturing just joy and happiness. Like, I'm not even noticing that I just took a picture of them laughing. 
It's like one of my favorite things. So dog, good answer. Um, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Um, what turns me on in all of those aspects mm-hmm. is um, I don't know. Would this be a way to put it? Like nerdy, being a nerd, just being 100, like hundred percent authentically yourself in a way. Like I just like pe- the people that drive me are just people who don't care. Mm-hmm. Like they're just like about. Well, people who don't care about what other people think, I guess. Just, like, nerdy people. Like, that's, like, something that just, like, drives me in all of those aspects. I'm like, oh, you'll take me that way. You're fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what turns you off? What turns me off is probably, um, like, narcissism, for sure. Hmm. Like, people who just don't get it. They're just, they only are about, especially living in Los Angeles. You meet so many people and so many creatives where you're like, what are you doing? Like, just do something. Like, you're probably a really smart person. You're probably good at math. Like, do that. Like, <laughs> like, just stop posting pictures of yourself. Right. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Okay. Um, if you could have dinner with any artist, living or dead, who would it be? Ooh. Um, I have been asked this before. And who did I say? It was a good answer. Um, living or dead. You know what? I would still. I would just do Michelle Obama. Okay. Yeah, because dead. Um, I had a good answer for that once. Um, I honestly think it was Harvey Milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because I have always looked up to him and just as an advocate and stuff like that. Um. One person, though, side note, I'm going off, um, is I've always been a fan of Dustin Lance Black um, because he is an artist who literally just uses his art and his work for the community, and he always talks about um, issues that need to be brought up, and he makes his movies and his screenplays about it. Um, so I actually got to meet him in London, and we're now friends, and I got to sit down, because that was one person I always used to say, and I got to sit down with him and meet him, and now he knows about Project Contrast, and yeah, so that, like, that answers that maybe. I'm, bu- I'm bragging a little bit. No, now. good. You guys, you guys should be uh, connected. Um, so what do you want to be remembered for? Um... I just want to be remembered as that nice, happy person who lived his life um, helping others. I mean, I know how basic that sounds, but at the end of the day, when um, I remember my mom or others, they always go, what do you want to be when you grow up? And all I wanted to do was help people. And all I wanted to do was just like make people happy and smile. So yeah, I don't know. I just want to be remembered as that happy artist who, you know, helps try and make the world a better place. As cheesy as that sounds. You're doing it. Um, two more. What is your favorite part about being queer? Um, the pride I carry and the pride we all should carry. I just love it. Like, I would never, I would I'd never, I don't want to be straight ever. I love being who I am. I, I love men. I love <laughs> the queer world. I love not men even. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I feel like this is the best time to be gay so far, obviously. I mean, it always progresses, but um, yeah. Well, is that a good answer? Great answer. So what is queer? Oh, shit. What is queer? Well, obviously, it's a broad spectrum, but um, what is queer? Queer to me is something that isn't even going to need a a type of name to be represented in the future. Queer is just going, to me, just vanish, and it's just gonna become a part of everyone's life, and um, we're all a little bit gay, and we're all a little bit different, and the fact is, is the queer community now are the strong, the strongest. We're the ones who maybe just have that confidence and have that natural, I don't know. We just we just naturally and organically have found love in other areas and who we are personally and sexually and just all the above. And um, queer's the future. Mm-hmm. It is. That's a good way to put that. Sure. There you go. All right, Maxwell. Um, so don't be freaked out that I'm saying this to you, but I absolutely love you. I think you are just such a leader, and you're so caring, and you're doing so 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 much for so many people and it really makes me want to like run out of here and like get on a plane and, and go somewhere and just meet people and, and 
pack them in my suitcase and bring them home. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um, well, it's a chain reaction. I hope that I hope that's what happens. I hope Project Contrast just eventually becomes this platform of people to just help one another. How refreshing, y'all. Okay, um, thank you so much for sitting with me, sitting for my thank podcast. You for having me. Huge fan. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye. See, oh, thank you so much, Maxwell. I had so much fun meeting you and talking to you, and I just am a huge fan. If you'd like to learn more about Maxwell, go visit his website, maxwellpoth.com. You can also check out his Instagram where he posts amazing photos at maxwellpoth. Go look at Project Contrast. It's a beautiful LGBTQ photo series. You can find it at projectcontrast.org. Find us on Instagram at Queer and Art, Q-U-E-E-R-A-N-D-A-R-T. Send us an email, queerandart at gmail.com. Also, you can find me, Frankie Craft, on Instagram at frankiecraft. Please make sure to rate, comment, subscribe, share, whatever we got to do to get the word out about this podcast. I deeply appreciate it. The music by Joey Polari. This podcast is brought to you by Sammy Girl Productions. Thank you all so much for listening and take care of yourselves. Bye.